Hey everybody, it's Brad here, and as you might know already, Bob and I are taking a little bit of a break for the holidays. We knew that you guys weren't going to want to take a break from listening, though, so we've turned things over for the month of December to our wonderful friend Zach Johnston, life editor and connoisseur of everything whiskey over at Uproxx Magazine, and he is taking us through some of his favorite movies paired with his favorite people. Today, Zach is going to be talking about the absolute classic of action cinema, First Blood, with his friends Adam Todd Brown of the You Don't Even Like This Show podcast and Danger Van Gorder of the band Countless Thousands, and they'll be drinking Woodenville Ginja Cask. That is all ahead, here on the Film and Whiskey Podcast. Hello, everybody. This is Zachary Johnston. This is Zach's Whiskey Corner of the Film and Whiskey Podcast. I am extremely excited today because, one, we're talking about one of my and my dad's favorite films of all time, First Blood. Also, we have two guests and a great whiskey. Our guest today is Adam Todd Brown of the You Don't Even Like This Podcast Network and Danger Van Gorder of the band Countless Thousands. Sorry, Countless Thousands. Nailed it. Beautiful. Who is uh, here to help us try a Woodensville whiskey from Seattle? So we're up in the Pacific Northwest, the movie and the whiskey. Guys, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much. And there's the connection. Yeah, there's, I was there like, is I was like, theme. what yeah. is the, the connection between this whiskey and this movie? Now I the, get the, it. The, the damn, dang Pacific Northwest. Yeah, I was super overthinking. Do they barrel age this in a cave? <laughs> they, they might as well, because, uh, it's got some nice dank to it, that's for sure. But we'll get to the whiskey in a bit. First, um, I'm getting to the whiskey right now. Y'all can tell, we can, like, like I said, we can talk about <laughs> it later. But like, I, I, I've been looking at a, a very appealing photo that Adam sent me over. Like, I, I need to get into this bottle and enjoy it. And I am. And drink couple. your whiskey, Danger. I'm drinking. And let Zach do his so podcast. <laughs> yeah, free whiskey. But guys, let's first talk a little bit about First Blood. Uh, Danger, let's start with you. What's your uh, overall experience with this movie? First, yeah, first, first blood. Okay. Um, within eight minutes, I believe I'd already texted Adam. Uh, I think I'm going to hate this movie because, <laughs> like, right out the gate, dude is doing nothing and cops just start showing up and hassling him. And yes. just like that random cruelty of just like, oh, I, I don't like, a, you know, I'm, I'm Brian Dennehy. I don't like how you look. Why are you here? Walk. Wa you're walking in a in a town in my town. I don't understand why that would make you not like the movie, though. Like the the cops are the villains. What's not to like about that? Sure. I I don't know. I I mean, for for context, my my favorite movie that I've watched recently is Paddington Two, which is a modern classic, y'all. But yes, like, cops movie. are bastards in that too. They are, uh, I mean, they are certainly they are. The, the, you know, they it is actually a little bit about policing and police overreach in its own way. Paddington, too, again, modern classic, but yeah, I, I'm it used is. to uh, a little bit more subtlety, I guess, um, uh, in my cinematic experiences. And just, yeah, just from the jump, Denny he rolls up, I don't like your hair. You you served in the armed forces. I'm suspicious of you and I'm going to hassle you and I'm going to drive you out of town. And oh, my God, he turned around 
an arrestable offense. And so would you America. Yeah. Just like, dude, what, what the hell? Like, I don't want to watch this guy suffer for, for literally no reason. Oh, but you don't. Well, I mean, he'd watch him make people suffer. He also, I don't think he wanted to fall off that cliff. Well, you, you know, you have to do what you got to do. Sure. Yeah. You sort of, he probably, you know, see what you fall off a cliff. Mm-hmm. I, I, I did say in that moment, like, hey, it's a, it's a cliff. It's a real cliffhanger. You can't call yourself danger and be anti falling off a cliff. Adam, that's why it's a funny, dumb name. <laughs> Fine. Yeah, and I've definitely had some traumatic and injurious falls in my past. So, yeah, I will. Yeah. We'll get there. Adam, what about you? What the, what's your experience with First Blur? Well, I mean, I've seen it a few times. I haven't seen it in a long time, but I am old enough that I saw First Blood in theaters because I had very irresponsible parents <laughs> when it came to that. And they were not going to miss movies just because they had kids. So I saw like every slasher film in theaters when I was a kid. I saw Friday the 13th Part 2. When I was like six. Did you give them any reason yeah. to suspect that they shouldn't? No, I was a kid. I was like, this is great. Okay. Of course I yeah. want to go see Halloween too. Right. I was a yeah. coward. My my parents did that. I'd be like, get away from this place. Yeah. Never to retire. I, I was the same. I saw The Shining, Poltergeist, all those movies in the theater when I was far too young to have seen them. Yeah, I should not. There's a whole generation of kids that should not have seen Poltergeist in theaters. Yeah, and then just watched on TV, which is nuts. Yeah, I remember having sleepovers with my cousins when I was five, six, and that would be would be on during our sleepovers, like just as you do. Um, But we're not here to talk about masterpiece that is Poltergeist. Yeah, Um, first blood. It's great. It's great. I like I like most of the Rambo movies. This isn't the best Rambo movie, but it's the Mm. first. And yeah, I mean it. I like the metaphors it plays with. It's it's very it's got a lot of born in the USA energy yes. where it's like it's obviously not pro cop, but it's also not pro government. And I appreciate that a whole lot. I don't like copaganda and I don't like propaganda. And I like how honest it is about how kids who were drafted into a war were treated when they returned from that war. Yeah. Like, I understand. I wish there was more of an anti-war movement in this country, but I also understand how the anti-war movement in this country came out the other end of Vietnam looking really bad. Yeah. Like, you don't spit on the kids, dummy. Go spit on the president. Jesus. Ooh, or yeah. the corpse of Henry Kissinger. Can we can we raise one to the passage of a real one? Yeah. yeah. But, but one of... The most destructive Americans of all time. Yeah, he's dead. Oh, man. Yeah. yeah. You sure I'm held that. on for a while, but I'm glad that Carter at least gets to go. <laughs> cool. yeah. So, yeah, I I definitely saw this at a drive, drive-in theater on the big screen, but my dad had this on VHS and would watch it a lot. And um, coming from the res, uh, my, between like 69 and 74, my dad very much experienced this movie. In the uh, cop sense, where uh, he would hitchhike around the West Coast, ran away from home when he was like 16. And um, in the indigenous community, in the rest community, we call it walking down the street Indian. 
but where you get just picked up by the cops. Mm. And so he added up all the time he spent in little bullshit jails, like the one in this film. And it came to two years of time he spent in jails just for walking down this road, Indian. Good Lord. Because he had long hair, you know, he yeah. kind of, you know, and strike that, one. Yeah. That aim, yeah. that aim Indian vibe. And, you know, he was in California in the Bay Area during Alcatraz and all that. And um, so, you know, this movie really spoke to him in that sense because he lived part of this movie in the sense that he was driven to county lines before and like the sheriff pull out his pistol and say, you come back, I'm just going to shoot you. That was actually the first thing I thought, because I haven't seen this movie in a long time. And that scene where they drive John Rambo to the edge of town and they're like, all right, don't come back. I was like, that's a starlight tour. That's what cops in Canada do to indigenous people. Oh, yeah. And Minnesota, North Dakota. It trickles down. You familiar with the starlight tour danger? I think I just learned about a starlight tour. Yeah, it's bad. Uh, bad, Bad times. Bad times, yeah. But I sort of, you know, you know how it is like when your parent has some, you know, experience and, you know, you kind of take it half, half yes, half no, you know, sort of like exaggerating how much is real and that. But um, I experienced the same thing. So I got, you know, as a teen between like 12 and 15, I got into, you know, my, my indigenous side a bit more and grew my hair long. And I remember being like 14 in my little podunk town in Washington, walking down the road, long hair, and cops would stop me and ask me if I needed to ride back to the res, even in the night. And so, you know, this shit is very, very real in that sense to, uh, to this day. And even sort of putting a button on that when I moved back to the States, granted I'm in uh, Kentucky, where they ethnically cleansed all the Indians 200 years ago. People still come up to me and be like, oh, you've got such high cheekbones. Are you an Indian? Or blah, blah, blah. And it's just sort of like, yeah, that's one reason I spent 20 years outside of this country. Yeah. But, uh, so needless to say, long story short, too late, all that. This film has a deep resonance with me and my family. And uh, watching it every time, I sort of pick up that little bit more that uh, my dad would always talk about and how just one shit don't change. But also, I feel like this film is deeply misunderstood by the mainstream because... This is a very anti-war and anti-government movie. I mean, yeah. jump right in. The very first scene, you know, Rambo's going to find his buddy who's uh, a black guy who died of cancer because of the illegal use of Angel Orange on our own troops. Right. That's how we are introduced to this film, where it's already yeah. like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's a tough opening. Yeah, it's just sort of thing where it really sets up the idea of you know, whoever the powers that be, they're not the good guys. Right. Yeah. And I appreciate that from this movie because it could have, yeah, just as easily been sort of a pro-government thing and still been anti-authority because the cops suck. But I like that in the end, it's no, everyone, everyone sucks. And yeah, like the only not realistic thing about this is that it's happening to a white dude like i I feel like the cops probably would have helped him out a little more in real life just because he's like he's a pretty cut white dude was he wearing a hairpiece in this i think that is his ridiculously beautiful 80s hair is it but it's hard to say it's hard to say yeah i don't because that stallone's all smoke and mirrors he's like four feet tall 
but he always looks like he's the same height as everyone he's standing next to. They got a lot of Apple boxes in Washington, I guess. Yeah, they do. I don't think his, his hair wasn't that offensive either. Like they really stress on it. Like we're going to give you a shave. We're going to cut your hair. It's like, I mean, it's just a little, it's a little messy in a way that would be stylish in about eight years. You know, yeah. and that, that was like the one thing that was unconscionable. And I couldn't figure out like uh, he's he's walking around that town with the backpack on and he's got the army jacket says Rambo on the one side and has an American flag on the other. And, and the the sheriff is like, oh, you got to be careful wearing that flag around here. Like, yeah, what? What? The, the yeah. flag you have out in front of your sheriff's station, sir? Like, and he cooperates with literally every command other than don't turn around. I don't know. He he gave me a lot of like my cat type vibes. Yeah. At the beginning. Of yeah. The movie. Like when they're trying to fingerprint him and he's throwing his hand away. Like that's my cat trying to get to my laptop whenever <laughs> I sit down to work mm. because sometimes I show her the birds and the mice videos on YouTube. And so every time I sit, she's like, oh, well, that's what's coming. And let me force my way onto your lap. Uh-huh. And I'm like, Kitty, no. And she's just like, yes, absolutely. <laughs> yes, actually. And there was a lot of like, I don't get why he turned around. I also question, where was he coming from? Couldn't he just go back there? <laughs> I found out. I, I imagine, no, he, he right. look, his, his uh, friend. Uh, and I'm sure his black family would have lived way on the outskirts of town because, yeah. you know, it yeah. is out on that lake. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I don't think they let the black families in the uh, in the, the core of the community uh, vis-a-vis not property values. Not in my backyard. I don't know if that argument holds up when they're living in a lake house, though. <laughs> well, I don't know. Maybe it's, maybe it's gross. <laughs> lake. You yeah. don't know what the, what the water quality is like. It's actually a pond house. Yeah, there you go. It's a reservoir yeah. house. But yeah, so he's got to walk into town to get to any of the, like I said, he just wants to go to a restaurant. Dude yeah, wouldn't let him go to a restaurant. Yeah, no. he wants a sandwich. That's all he wants. Um, so yeah, yeah we, hey, just like Paddington. Just like Paddington. Um, so yeah, we uh, basically already covered it. Gets arrested. Uh, he's taken to the police station and we meet the rest of the cops that will become his fodder. Um, in a wrestling, uh, Mr. Caruso, very young, fresh faced Caruso. I sure forgot he was in this. Yeah. It's the only cop who's like a real person. Whereas in like, dude, this guy's a veteran. He's obviously, you know, shaken up and has, you know, some sort of trauma. Uses different words. Um, but yeah, shit goes AWOL when they try to shave him, which according to my dad was a real thing. Like they would shave you when you. Went in because you had to appear before the judge. Standing up yeah. with a straight razor, being held on either side. Yeah. And so he thought I it was get an a electric thing. shaver, guys. Like yeah. come on. he thought it was a he always thought it was a thing. Like they just watched um they watched one flew over the cuckoo's nest too many times and thought that would be a good way to torture people. I can see and that. So you know, given the times, I can kind of see that being true, given how influential that movie was in hey, yeah, so we, torturing we, we, people. We glossed over something real quickly there. Uh, there. You mentioned a Caruso. We have a lot of really bad Carusos here in California. Which Caruso was this one? Is this is this like the the David C- Caruso? Yeah, but the like original, which yeah. which who which one is? Is that the CSI dude or is that the yeah, guy? yeah? Okay, 
And he, man, he had his shtick down immediately. Right. He is David Caruso AF in this. Like that smile he'll give a person where he's like, I'm going to cut your throat. But he's still, and you can tell that's the message behind that smile. Oh, it's vintage David Caruso. Yeah. So, yeah, after the attempted shave, uh, good old John Rambo goes into John Rambo mode for the first time, breaks out of the police station, jumps on a motorbike, a dirt bike. Uh, of course, Brian Dennehy pursues. He's even after, like, the dumbass cop literally fires on a crowded street with a rifle yeah. after him. And this is where we see Dennehy isn't as crazy as that because he's like, what the fuck are you doing yeah. firing a rifle on Main Street? He, he still... One thing I noticed this watch through, like, Dennehy is okay at his job sometimes, but he just can't let it go. Where yeah. it's like, I think it's it's a really good sort of like backdoor into the modern day where people in power refuse to admit they're wrong, mm-hmm. even when everything is telling you're wrong. And he's just like, I know... I need to let this guy go, but I just can't do it. Yeah. Um, well, he had he really fucking he sad. Probable cause at that point because dude, you know, was fleeing arrest. He oh, he just stole a motorcycle. That's like yeah. an actual. Oh, that's assault. an actual crime. And assaulting police officers. And but I don't know if that's like property. Reasonable rifle, you know, like let, let's 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 get the let's get the oh. long guns involved in this in this long haired gentleman. Oh God, not yet. Yeah, yeah. That's why he, he chases a shave after all. Yeah. How, how do you yeah. like, he must be made of, of Teflon and iron. Yeah. We're being, we're being a little modest saying he broke out of that police station. Yeah. That's, he, yeah. he broke that's, police that's station. His way out of that police yeah. station. There were, was great. <laughs> there were some tummies yeah. that got some boots. That scene yeah. where he's running up the steps and the cop just opens the door as he gets mm. to the top of the steps. Yeah. Woof. Loved place it at the wrong time. Oh, oh and also it's Christmas time, so technically this is a Christmas movie. It's <laughs> absolutely. That, I knew that was going to come up as like, hard a Christmas. Yeah, this is also a Christmas movie, but they don't really talk about holiday cheer all that much in this no, one. No. There is There's no. Nice, oh, oh, I have a machine gun. Some nice early '80s decorations around though, which uh, mm-hmm. make all the cheer. But yeah, so we get a huge chase scene now, like a motorcycle go into the woods, and it's just ridiculous. Thinking about the stunt driver driving through like the woods and just pastures and just insane places to take a police car. Um, a, lot, a lot of fish tailing. Every every time there was a corner yeah. rounded, you get a, a one two three count, and then boom, police sedan comes out, does the big fish tail move. Like, all right, I got it under control. All right, well that ain't CGI. Nice. Yeah, yeah reels been able to get away from that cop a little easier. Yeah, like he's he's got a dirt bike. He could have just went straight up to the woods, which he eventually does. Um, and then sort of you get this. The film doesn't shift yet. It's it's still this sort of pursuit action movie where they they bring in a helicopter. Asshole with his long rifle accidentally falls out when he when Rambo throws the rocks. It's the uh, it's the screen of the of the chopper. But it's sort of like that's the only death in the film. One death accidental not his fault yeah i had texted him at the end i was like did he kill anyone he he didn't kill any batman he maims everybody but he didn't kill anybody yeah and how did that helicopter pilot not just push that dude out when he was like oh i'll kill you it's like oh yeah yeah goodbye 
<laughs> yeah. Well, then yeah. you get and then there's the misconduct, uh, like the professional but, review, the int- IR is going to get involved. But speaking no. of that, when the guy does fall out, that helicopter pilot takes no measures to like even see if he lived. No, he's just out like, there. all right, peace. I am yeah, out sure. of here. He didn't even yes. tell the cops that that guy fell out of the helicopter. The bloody rocks <laughs> tell their own story. Yeah. But uh, this is where we get a sort of like shift. So like we, we get into the, the second act of the film. Thing. And uh, this is a great shift because this film after this becomes straight up a slasher movie, literally with lightning strikes providing light in a dark rainforest as Rambo names every motherfucker chasing him and it's great yeah, yeah it is incentivizes the continued pursuit and it should it should be like he gets to a point where you know he's you know he's set up all these booby traps and etc and he gets on identity at the end with his life on his throat and it's so clear that he has lost and all he has to do is let him walk away and uh then he can't let it go he calls yeah. in the national guard for one but, uh, yeah, for one, one dude. dude. Yeah. Well, and the National Guard makes itself way available. Like, yeah. Sure. Oh, yeah. Well, with M's. Look, I'm, maybe I'm getting ahead of things a little bit, but they send a truck with a goddamn M60 machine gun. It's like, <laughs> that's one truck in a convoy of four trucks. He just be like, oh, I'm going to pick the, this one at the left, at the end. Yeah. I'll just jump in there. Hey, friend, what are you carrying? Oh, uh, like the biggest machine gun made by the army? <laughs> okay. <laughs> I have it. Please, please leave this truck. It's like, I don't know what's in those other three trucks. Did they have like napalm and like grenades and nuclear weapons? And one dude, I get that he doesn't intentionally kill people, but that truck driver he pushed out definitely died of a concussion in his sleep that night. Like, oh, yeah, he hit the ground. He jogged it off. How many that people? Was, okay, look, we talked dirt on it. We yeah, talked exactly. about falls earlier. I've I've had exactly that. It, not sorry, not exactly. I fell from experience. a helicopter while shooting at a woman. <laughs> no, nor did I fall out of a moving truck when a commando appeared on the passenger side uh, unexpectedly. So, what was it that you're comparing that to? Danger. I fell and landed on my noggin, and it and it, I fell have, off a bicycle. If I'm not fell off, I did fall <laughs> off a bicycle, and I have no memory of the event. Uh, I I did not. I do, off. and it was a lot like Ram. Yes, visit me and never and never mentioned it until now. Yeah, Brian Dennehy was chasing you. Yeah, I was gonna say. Except Brian Dennehy was just looming over you. <laughs> um, I, t- I told my wife at one point, I was like, dude, young young Brian Dennehy can kind of kind of. He's got a he's got a very was this young Brian Dennehy? It was younger Brian. Younger, Dennehy. yeah, relatively yeah. maybe. How old but, uh, is Brian Dennehy? Dead? Or is yeah, he like yeah, hundred and fifty. Yeah, yeah. yeah, or whenever for a real one. Okay. Yeah, he's he's long past. Um, but yeah, so I, we get a sort of shift at the midpoint here, where uh, it kind of becomes a comedy of errors when the National Guard comes in because they don't want to hike. They're all out of shape. They're like literally. No joke, playing with a uh, bazooka. These are weekend like, warriors. Yeah, in in this film, I don't want to cast aspersions on the present day National Guard, uh, but the people. Why not? But I, because you know what? Because like I uh, during the uh, George Floyd protests, um, I felt safer near the National Guard than I did my local police, uh, who mm. the National Guard were just like. We're just going to maintain a presence. We're not doing. We're not doing anything. Whereas the cops are like, "I'm l- looking for someone to make trouble." <laughs> Until they're dead in Ohio, you. 
Yeah. Until they four dead, no hype. <laughs> yeah. Um, but the National Guard is just the greatest. So you get this sort of like comedic relief after the slasher movie. And um, basically the, the film just becomes a race to the end for this. You know, uh, Rambo escapes through some tunnels, through some rats and comes out the other end. Um, he for this- sure kills some of those rats like while they were filming. Like, oh, I yeah. don't remember looking uh, for the no animals were harmed in the making of this film for the tag at the end. But it, like right. he brought like I see a, a little rat tail moving. He right. grabs one with his entire fist and ejects it from the stratosphere. And I'm like, oh, that that rat's clearly dead. Oh, yeah. But that's a rat. I'm, 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 I'm sorry, Remy. Like, I it, like I, I'm, I, I have empathy for all living creatures, big or small, squeaky or. Mm. Um, I draw a lot of rats. Yeah. Yeah. Rats can go. That's fine. But basically, uh, you know, he. They were in that cave. They weren't doing anything. They were just being rats in a cave. I love people. Despite all your rage, there's still just rats in that cave. Just fighting the rats. I love it. I know, right? (laughs) Yeah. Oh, man. But uh, yeah, basically, he escapes through tunnels and then he's like, I'm going to take the fight to him because he's not stopping. Um, He also has really good torch discipline in that scene. I noticed, like, there's a couple of (laughs) slips, a couple of falls. He manages to keep that lit torch while him while his his body are submerged is submerged in the water. He's like, no, got to keep this torch above the water. Boy, I'm yeah. I'm actually kind of a genius at that. It's good. That's like, what have been the Olympics for keeping that torch lit? Yeah. What's crazy? Like, this takes a long, such a long time that Troutman, who's his colonel in the Green Berets, and Denny have time to sit down at a bar and share a drink, have a <laughs> conversation anymore, <laughs> and have a whole conversation about uh you know, how the uh, U.S. government is horrible to veterans and all this is bullshit and uh, that, you know, they're in a no-win situation, so what are they even fucking doing? And do you think for a second Denny's character is going to be like, yeah, okay, I'll tap out this is over. Um, and he's sitting there, he goes back to his office and he's sitting at his desk, sort of like, you know, door shut. You see his medals from Korea behind him, his purple heart star Oh, um, I missed that. Glad you yeah, that. yeah. You, that you think you think for a second maybe he is just gonna let it go, but then Rambo shows up. <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah, all aspersions to Denny let it go are literally blown away. Um, and you sort of get this big climatic, you know, invasion of the town scene where he blows up the gas station and the gun shop and invades the. Uh, it is an active the- shooter situation. Yeah, he invades the uh, police station, still only going after Denny. Um, and in that ammunition shop, he really yeah. lays waste to American yeah. commerce vis-a-vis selling guns. Yeah. yeah, I don't know if that's the kind of commerce we need. Fine. Yeah, yeah. look, I, I live in Burbank. They have a lot of gun shops, but some of those gun shops are next to like a really good empanada shop. <laughs> you know, I, I'm just worried about collateral empanadas. Mm. Indeed, indeed. Um, and kind of what ties the film together is, you know, at the very end, you know, when Troutman comes in to sort of bring him out of the police station, he gets Stallone gets a speech that he wrote, which was based off a letter he got from a veteran, uh, cause he did a lot of veteran work back in those days. Uh, that was a true story, evidently that this veteran has sent him and he adapted that story and put it in the film, uh, to be sort of to show the trauma he really was living through because he had just got back from Vietnam. He was, he was a POW one. All this stuff happened. And, you know, 
there was no outlet for that stuff. And he felt, Torian Sloan felt that those are the stories that need to be told so people have more empathy for, like Adam said, the fucking kids coming home from this nightmare. Yeah. Um, and, you know, Troutman, of course, kind of understands and gives him a hug and they walk out and, you know, he's arrested and roll credits and cheesy 80s music. Oh, my God. That song. that song over the credits. Woof. I, wow. I, I, we got, I got 15 seconds and I'm on my exercise bicycle and watching the movie uh, in the garage. I, I got 15 seconds and I'm like, I have to share this with my wife. This is insane. <laughs> and bring back in touch. She's like, that, this guy singing just sounds like what Patton Oswalt sounds like when he's singing something silly. Like right. his. <laughs> A pride, but not a proud voice. Like that's, I would, that's that singer at the end of Rambo. I would not be at all surprised if Sylvester Stallone wrote that song. <laughs> or or Frank. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, it might be a, like, I mean, what, M. Night Shyamalan's niece wrote the closing <laughs> single to the hit film Old? You know? Oh, wow. Sure. She, sure. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, look, nepotism is, 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 a, is a real problem here in, in Hollywood. <laughs> it's, it's funny because this film sort of, like, people... He did the end of this film because he cried and, you know, told that story. That's what made the movie for me. Like, like, it's just this parade of shit that this guy goes through merely for existing. And he doesn't really say much other than, I didn't do anything. Uh, I didn't do first blood. Yeah, they drew first blood. I didn't do first blood. And then at the end, it's like, okay, well, he actually has a lot of nuanced things to say about the horrible state of affairs. It's like, yeah, this this has really kind of turned things around for me because it wasn't about bloodshed. It's just like fucking leave this guy alone. Get him some resources. Yeah, like they're not a sandwich. They like, literally get him, get him a sandwich. <laughs> like if he if he's like doing the the kitty cat press, like I, oh I, I don't want to take my fingerprints and I don't know how to do it and I don't I don't want to let you do it because I'm a little cutie cat. Look at my beautiful whiskers. Like that's all right. I think he's, there's probably some neurodiversity to John Rambo and his character. Maybe if he got a little bit of look. I, I'm just saying, as, as someone that's on the uh, on the spectrum, tiny bit, you know, we believe in neurodiversity. It's a real thing, and our 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 veterans are certainly, as a population of people, there's going to be some neurodiversity there. And yeah, he he don't uh, he don't talk a whole lot, and he he does uh, behave like a kitty cat in some ways. So maybe there's some neurodiversity. Maybe we can get in some resources that are appropriate for his needs. Then he wouldn't go and uh, you know blow up uh, ammo shops in the center of town and and. Uh, you know, okay, but did neither of you laugh a little bit when he was delivering that speech at the end? No, like he's like, I can't find your legs. I was like, that's a funny line. It depends on my mood, but the way he delivers it is kind of funny. I've uh, already discussed my deep and a, empathy, yeah, for even rats. There's so a part where Troutman shoots him a look when he's given that, where he's just like, what the fuck are you talking about, kid? Yeah, it's talking about missing legs. Yeah. Yeah, but it is. I can't find your legs. Did he say that to the guy? Probably definitely has a like, you need to man up, bitch. Look. <laughs> yeah. Like, Chill you, out, dude. Yeah. If someone's they, legs are missing, I will pardon anyone's reaction to it outside of like removing their own legs. You know? Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. you got, if you find, if, if you discover. That a leg is gone, and then discover a second leg is gone. You're bound to react in unpredictable ways. Very true. Very. True. Oh, yeah, and yeah. That, and that must stick with you. It's for a movie. A long danger. time. It's a movie. Oh, is it? Is it a, a fiction? And yet it reveals truths of our of our own selves. 
it never happened, and yet it rings in the souls of each of us who who behold it. Cinema is a machine that generates empathy. Not gonna find your legs. <laughs> so this film was a huge hit, by the way. Like the critics didn't really love it, but this movie made bank. It was like the highest grossing, one of the highest grossing films of the year internationally. It was like the highest grossing American film in China for decades. Because huh. um, it criticized, because it criticized yeah. the American hegemony. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it was like a huge production, like beforehand. Like everybody on earth from that era you can think of was going to play John Rambo, all the way back to fucking Paul Newman and Gene Hackman and those wow. guys. That's um, a different direction with each of them. Yeah, and you know it's the sort of I didn't thing do where, nothing except this make this delicious salad dressing. Yeah, um, but it was one of those movies that was in like in the ether for a long time. By the time it got to Stallone, he of course you know altered a little bit here and there, um, mostly by taking out the dialogue because evidently there was a three-hour cut of this film that was the original Whoa. cut because it was going to be this big you know Vietnam epic like Deer Hunter and Coming Home and all that. And Stallone hated it so much and thought it was so embarrassing. He got approval to cut it down to the 90-odd-minute version that it was actually released by just cutting out most of his dialogue. What if so, I just make my character real shy? Well, that's right. what, I'm going to be honest. That's what makes this one of Stallone's best movies is he barely yeah. talks. Because yeah. he is distracting when he talks sometimes. Yes, he really is. And 93 minutes. Or when he wants to be like that, the, the, the speech at the end, like, I know you, you got your, your chuckles and your chortles. I, 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 I really enjoyed it. It reminded me of like, oh yeah, he's a good actor. Like Creed. He's great. Yeah. He's, yeah. He's really he's, yeah. He's great. Um, but it's sort of a clean 93 minutes, probably 86 without that song at the end. Um, <laughs> but you know, it's, I kind of missed that as well, where it's like, yeah, there's a message, there's action, there's, you know, you, there's yucks. And it's 90 minutes long, like you're in, you're out, done. But it doesn't, like, the climax, the climax of the movie is not the explosions. Like, I genuinely, yeah. look, I've never seen any Rambo thing ever. I know him as a character. I, I name check him in one of my songs. Like, it's an, he's an American institution of just, like, he is a soldier, he is vengeance. Um, but I had not seen anything. And so I was very surprised when, at the end, first time viewer, Oh, the climax is actually him connecting to an emotional state and like sharing that with not only like a father figure, but like the audience. And like, this is really ringing true for me because me saying, I think I'm going to hate this movie was just because I don't like seeing people suffer for no reason. That's not like super yeah. fun. And for literally no reason. The, the, the Apple plus like little blurby dude that talks about the film literally says, you know, a Vietnam that comes back and then starts getting harassed by the local police for no reason. Right. You don't love that. No. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah the, the, speech at the, end, yeah. the speech at the end is a lot like if at the end of Halloween, someone just sat Michael Myers down and was like, what's going on, buddy? Just tell us. Just tell it. And he just starts blubbering. Because up to that point, you're right. It's like such a slasher film. Like he's just wrecking people in that in those woods myers never is like i didn't do anything leave me alone i'm just a, i'm just the son of this horrible woman and the, and yeah I'm but i'm, I'm saying it would be cool if michael myers it would did be, that yeah it would stop mike good. you can't call him yeah. mike myers stop it i'm look mike mike's got to look out for him his, his, his christian name is michael <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah yeah have so, some respect so is mine but i i go by it 
So, uh, you guys ready to taste some whiskey? I, I mean, I'm going to keep doing finally that. Finally ready to taste this whiskey. <laughs> So uh, one of the things I love about this film as well, for me, is just watching it. I get so nostalgic about just the way it looks, the the mountains, the the dampness of it. I mean, it, it looks like literally the town I grew up in, uh, in the Pacific Northwest. And so that, I will gladly admit, creates a lot of nostalgia for me with this movie. Um, this whiskey, Woodenville whiskey, is made just north of Seattle in the same area, basically. And uh, it's hard to glass, so... The, the grains that are in this, the corn, rye, barley, we are grown in Washington State. Um, the whiskey's distilled in in Washington, just north of Seattle. Uh, that would be as like if you say farm to glass. How is that compared to like uh, your heavy uh, machinery, like your Jim Beams and Johnny Walker? So, so a lot of a lot of mainstream bourbons are commodity grains. So they're pulling in grains, they're pulling in like wheat from North Dakota, they're pulling in rye from Northern Germany, they're pulling in corn from wherever they can get it. So a lot more transportation oh, involved before it actually gets in a pot still. The corn yeah. comes from Bakersfield. Exactly. Ooh, no, no, we can't. Can. No. Nice. <laughs> nice. Oh, um, with a with a, sick, with, a, with a with a sick baseline. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, so in this case, in this case, grain glass means they have a single farm source that is local through the distillery that they use for the grains. Um, in this case, so we're drinking the wooden mill ginger cask straight bourbon. And ginger casks are Portuguese barrels where they take sour cherries to make a sour cherry liqueur called ginger. And so they finished their four or five-year-old bourbon in these casks to add a little extra layer of taste and flavor. Now, so, are we certain we're pronouncing it right? Ginger? It, it, yeah, like yeah. genuine question. Because uh, like I'd been, there's some guy, that there's like a UFC fighter <laughs> who spells his name. Oh, no, wait, no, sorry, that's an R. Never mind. Uh-huh. I'm just saying, Portuguese, what, those consonants, they'll, they'll, they'll trip you up. Oh, yeah, they'll catch up with you. Um, but yeah, I, I, I go by the label. G-I-N-J-A, ginger. It's keep yeah. it easy. Um, what oh, I like about Portuguese this. Portuguese and their consonants. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good sauce, oh, though. Great Without song. getting too deep into the weeds, like what I like about this whiskey is how fruity it is on the nose. Like you do yeah. get those dark berries. You do get still the vanilla, the caramel, bourbon. Now we and should mention this is this is a special bottle that's only available at the distillery, um, and it's it, it's a really exciting for you know yes. us actually in this podcast uh, enjoying this beautiful dram. Um, but yeah, it's it, it is. It is real fruity for a for yeah. for a whiskey. Yeah, and I'm, it, it's got that sort of amaretto sour thing on the nose. Okay. Yeah, that's good. Cool. Yeah, amaretto for sure. That's that sort of nuttiness. Um, what about on the taste? What are you guys getting? What do you got, Danger? That's I got, the thing. I'm not. That's kind of why I wanted Danger. Yeah, you know, he's like the I'm, whiskey connoisseur I, in yes, my life. I like. Yeah. I really again like Zach. I've been following you for a while, <laughs> and every once in a while, I'm like. I'm going to try something new. I got to try something different. And I have $65. Nice. And then it turns out that the things that I want to get are not available because you have this insane life where you get to go to the Lafroy distillery whenever you want and just like all this crazy shit. Either way, like it's, it's a source of inspiration. Um, but yeah, like, I don't know, like uh, on actually on the palate, I get a lot of, uh, a lot of that sort of darker cherry 
the the kind of dark cherry that I once had a terrifying anaphylactic reaction to that like closed in my throat. I I mean, it's a nice way to enjoy a flavor without the fear. Games are gonna die of, of getting strength. I mean, it's not impossible, but I'm you know I'm gonna I'm gonna you know really be really be wise and careful. There's it yeah. There's a tiny bit of like a medis uh, um medicinal quality to like a uh, uh, like a Vix honey herb type. Yeah. Like this reminds me of being really really sick, but starting to get over it because you know you, you have that. That's when you taste the 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 the, the medicines. That you keep for for those you know worst and most rainy days. Yeah, there's definitely um, a, a herbal bite for sure. That's uh, thank you. That's much better. I'm sure they'd rather <laughs> say herbal bite than you know. It tastes like being sick, which <laughs> yeah, I did not get that. No, but <laughs> like cherries, cherries, honey, um, yeah, amaretto sour. It's not like I don't know, like my. My my favorite whiskeys are all like, like the Octomores, like the crazy. Oh, so you're a Pete bastard. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like the oh, okay. crazy shit. Which <laughs> yeah, apparently they're wild. not going to make anymore. Thanks a lot, Brocholetic. You're the best distillery in the world. Uh, I look forward I to what you replace with that. Um, oh, I'm I, sure. I'm I had sure a bottle of, I had a bottle of, of uh, 7.1 that I made last like two years. But sadly, look, if you're, in, if you know, just say. Now I know where to send all my uh, peated samples. <laughs> yes, please. Because I have all the uh, 13s here and the 12s, I think. Yeah, but, I, I look, I'm the kind of guy that like on my birthday, I'll go to um, Seven Grand, which my, my wife and I, for our first date, we were supposed to meet at Seven Grand. And I happened to be wearing shorts at that moment <laughs> and, because I, I used to work outside, show up at the door of Seven Grand. They're like, no shorts, skedaddle. I'm like, oh, I'm never coming back to Seven Grand ever again. Um, Seven Grand, downtown LA, the best whiskey bar in in California, which I know now because eventually, you know, five years on, I let sort of bygones be bygones, be like, all right, I'm gonna, as a healing exercise, I'm going to go to this bar and experience it. It's like, oh, no, this is my favorite bar that I've ever been in in my life. I get why they have a dress code. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Also, I'll Adam, go to, like, Octum, to, to, the, the, to these places to get a $70 pour of an Octomar. Like, I'm going to try it this time. <laughs> yeah. But Adam, this is why I want to do this with you. Is, uh, I think with a lot of this whiskey stuff, it's very easy to get very far with this gently up our own asses about it. You know what I mean? And we go a little too deep. My own um, but what do you think, man? Like as, as you know, someone, I mean, just as a, a passing whiskey fan, what are your thoughts? I mean, it's good. It's <laughs> like, it's, it's, I'm not a big straight alcohol drinker. I usually need a mixer. And yeah. this is tasting straight. It, yeah, it is drinkable. Yeah. We're, we're drinking yeah. it right now out of, uh, um, you know, some little uh, steel shot glasses that the um, Woodenville PR guy gave me. Thank thanks, Woodenville PR guy. Um, nice. No ice, no nothing. Like, the, look, I, yeah, I this like normally my isn't my thing, and right. I like this a lot. Yeah, yeah. I'm too, a whiskey drinker because I like these things right. to take a lot of time because I'm, a, I, as a very stingy person, I have to make really make my drinks last. Right. Sorry, as someone that doesn't have a whole heck of a lot of income, I have two kids. Uh, so yeah, you really got to sort of draw these things out for an optimal experience, and and yeah, like 
He had he had sent me a picture of this in the in the bourbon. He's like, "What do you think of Woodenville?" I'm like, "Dude, Woodenville is a great brand. They've got they've got a killer rye. Um, that the thing that I'm most familiar with is in in their in their lineup. Um, but this is a whole other this is a whole other animal. Straight bourbon whiskey finished in Portuguese ginjinha. I know I'm saying that wrong. Casks, ginger proof. Mm. But that's just it. Like with this, you know. Drink it however you want. You know, pour this over some rocks during a line twist. I would actually use this in an old fashioned. Um, mm. Ooh. you know, add a little cherry to it, a little cherry on cherry, add a little orange. Yeah, little, see uh, Let those let that fruit pop a little bit. Um, just in the fact that it's also ninety five proof, so it's not gonna like pull you over like a high proof whiskey wall. Uh, this is yeah, high. You would describe this as not being high proof. Ninety five? No, not really. No, um, ah, okay. I'd say it's it's getting Let's towards it, but generally speaking. Rock rush stroke, uh, you know, eighty to ninety nine is sort of the lower proof. A hundred okay. is bottled and bomb, and anything above that is high. Got it. Okay, that makes all right. Uh, so this is on the lower. This is a higher, higher side of lower end. That makes sense. Um, but what I love about this is just it's so approachable. Like I said, even yeah, you get a lot of flavor notes, and it's not burning you out. It's not overpowering. Uh, it's just nice, easy going example yeah. of what wooden milk can do um i have a lot of friends that like like i'm a chronic sharer like i i love this niche thing like i really like understanding whiskey and, and you know like my my daughter's like i want to smell your want to smell the whiskey i'm like okay honey but you can't taste it daddy <laughs> likes whiskey a lot i'm like thank you baby um and i want to share it with people but like whiskey's it's still an acquired taste like it is oh, aggressive my first whiskey was goddamn Lafroy 10, which was a very bad idea um, because it is a bog monster. Um, yeah, yeah, you got to build up to that. In my right, my first whiskey, Black Velvet. Ooh. Were you stealing that of your grandmother's cabinet? <laughs> I mean, probably. I was too drunk yeah. to remember. My grandmother drank Black Velvet and Pepsi. Yeah, uh, she stopped. She stopped drinking right. Coke because of New Coke. She's like, "Fuck Coca Cola." They changed the recipe. Never going back. I'm a Pepsi woman now. And she stuck with Pepsi for the rest of her life. Well oh, done. Pepsi won yeah. the war. Yeah. Pepsi's gross. Whatever. Well, Cola's kind of with Canadian ride makes better, I guess. <laughs> but like, th this is something that I would gladly pour for like my wife or, you know, my friend Matt, like people who don't really, they haven't steeped themselves in the, in all of the nuance of whiskey. And they're like, it just tastes like burning. Like, like if you want something a little bit more gentle, like this is probably where I would start people. Yeah, no, I, I definitely recognize this as a good whiskey. Like, right. Hell yeah. I've had bad whiskey before. Oh yeah. yeah. Obviously. Oh yeah. And yeah, this is highly drinkable. Like I could, I could just swallow this. Like I could drink this as a shot right now, but I've been sipping it. But yeah, I've nice. also probably knocked down three or four shots of this in rapid succession. And it, it's easy going, that's for sure. Now, um, this, this leads me to another question, though, because I've, I've got a friend. My friend that introduced me to whiskey has a bottle at the house at his house that he keeps as a challenge bottle of like, like you know, like he and I like to trade like oh, I've tried this one, try this one. You know, it's uh, have a lot of fun. Um, and he ha he poured this one. Me, Here, what, what do you think? And I basically like this is genuinely bad. What is this? Um, and he's like, okay, good. I'm glad you think that. And it was this whole, it was a whole separate conversation of why he keeps a bottle of bad whiskey. But, and being in the position you're in, exactly, 
I imagine you've probably got at least one or two that you recall uh, of being actually like bad. But I don't expect you to, to, to identify them here on the air out of, you know, respect for your craft. I'm just saying you've definitely encountered how many bad whiskeys in your time? It's lower than you would think because there's, there's poor quality and then there's faulty. And like poor quality, cheap sort of commodity whiskeys, fine because that's what it is. But like then purpose driven whiskey. Yeah. Old Crow or, you know, should be white label or JTS Brown, you know, all those $10 bottles. Um, that's different. That's just cheap. Then there's faulty whiskey or faulty rum or faulty wine, beer, whatever, which isn't quite made correctly. So because of the craft scene, you have people rushing things out. You have people uh, that don't exactly know what the hell they're doing. And so they are making a product that is dangerous, but they're making a product that isn't quite there. So it's sort of, you know, it's, it's just, you know, the, the flavors are too chemically and too oily. This and, makes it so know, much more sad because now there's an earnestness behind this yeah. story. It's not just like, well, we had, we had big whiskey. We put <laughs> shit out there to the plebes because they don't know any better. Like, this is actually like, hi, my name is Austin, and I've spent the last three years trying to figure this out. I hope you like this because I sold my car to make it. Exactly. And then oh, you're going to be Austin, like, I've got bad news. Oh, that's so Yeah. <laughs> and so, like, when we're judging, for instance, there'll be some there'll always be some stuff that's eliminated, of course, um, because you're tasting so much, you know, they like, for instance, in San Francisco world spirits competition, they get 6,000 spirits entries and, you know, just mathematically, some of them are going to be faulty. And so, you know, we don't, they don't publish what's eliminated, but Mm. they, if we give feedback to those distillers and blenders, bottlers to tell them, you know, where they gone wrong and how they can fix it. So it is still supportive in that. But like you said, you know, it's somebody that's what's always so devastating about it. Cause it's somebody who's probably put in you know, five years of their life. If it's yeah. risky, cause it takes that long or maybe two years. Um, and all this money, they probably maxed out all their credit cards and their mom's credit cards. And, you know, and then they spent 500 bucks just to get this whiskey to a competition. And they're like, well, you know, uh, need to start over. <laughs> and then, and, but that's I can't imagine there's a lot of coffee of it. stills actually still in uh, circulation that can just be bought. And like, all right, um, yeah, this was made in Scotland in 1865. And that's the whole thing as well. Like, there's also, you know, it, it's like any industry in the world where you know there's also the insanely rich people who come into stupid amount of money and this is their side project, but nobody ever introduced them to someone who has taste. <laughs> their whiskey is bullshit or their gin is bullshit or what have you because there's nobody there to be you know they're surrounded by sycophants so there's nobody there to be like no this is bullshit this is what you need to do because they're just not operating in that world uh they think oh this is an easy commodity this is an easy win you know the bourbon or the whiskey industry is booming blah 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 we can you know make some fast cash like if you do it right maybe but have you ever tried in- to make your own whiskey um, I have not distilled. Well, I have distilled with some friends, but I, uh, yeah, I mean, it's the fermentation, I mean, fermentation, you're just making beer, hops, uh, distillation, which, you know, you're, you know, you're, you're boiling it off to make the 
the steam that becomes the alcohol, uh, making sure we'll keep it all back. Um, and then, you know, aging. So yes, but only as a hobby, it's not like the real, um, the real science is in the fermentation and the distillation and the alchemy is in the aging and blending. Um, yeah. So that, how about this? My, my wife got me a make your own whiskey kit last year for Christmas. Um, and it was just like, okay, here's, here's your botanicals. And then here's the wood chips, get some Everclear, put the wood chips in the botanical, put the wood chips in, like, let it leach out mass. It's called machination or machination. I don't know how to do that. You know, it, like, thank you. Uh, and then it, le- you know, leaches these flavors out and then you filter it and then you bottle it and boom, you've got your own homemade whiskey that used to be Everclear and now it's this other thing. And I've, I've made that and I've enjoyed, like I've made four bad ones and one actually one that I've really enjoyed. Um, that's like a vanilla base, um, yeah. like vanilla bean, like, but, but it sounds like you would not describe that as whiskey. Um, well, by law, uh, <laughs> bourbon, <laughs> bourbon and rye has to touch new American oak or it doesn't matter how much time it has to be a container. It doesn't mm. have to be a barrel, it can be a box, but it to be called bourbon ride has to touch new American oak for one second in a container. So you can literally pour moonshine uh, into a barrel, pour it out into a bottle and call it bourbon. Um, for whiskey in general, like it doesn't even have to be aged. I mean, white dog is, is on aged whiskey, mm. right? Mm. Yep. Um, so it just depends what you want. I mean, those home kits are, you know, they are, they are cool. you know, they're yeah, they're fun. Cool. Because you can you can play around with flavors and sort of get into things and anything that gets you into you know the world of whiskey, what's wrong with that? You know, especially when you're playing with your own flavors, you're building your own palate, and you're taking some ownership over it, which is going to give you you know added value as you go find things that you want to seek out on the whiskey aisle. Um, but that all aside, what are your guys' final thoughts on First Blood? Adam, go. I mean, it holds up. It's still a very fun movie. I think you're right to describe it as kind of a slasher movie. It's got like it's it it feels like a few different movies in one. Yeah. And overall, I very much stand behind the message the movie is trying to deliver because that's a real thing. Like, yeah, whether you support wars or not, like you have to admit the way veterans in this country are treated is pretty abhorrent still like it's not like that has improved that much and it's it's kind of i mean it's not kind of a travesty it is a travesty that veterans are treated the way they are but we're also expected to support the troops yeah it's like you support the troops how about that how about you support them it's not my job to support the troops and and i just I, i appreciate that even in 1982, we were getting that message out. Like it, does, I I wouldn't be surprised if Springsteen wrote "Born in the USA" because of this movie. Because I wouldn't be surprised either. Yeah, it predates that song by two years, so he had time. Absolutely, danger. Yeah, it's it's a a bit of a tough swallow, I think, for the uninitiated and modern audiences, because it really is just a steady stream of shit that this guy has to endure. Um, uh, but that said, like, 
there is there's very much a point. Like I guess like I had in my head gone in thinking it would be um I don't know, like some of these 80s bonehead movies where it like at the end like he just kicks ass and then he's triumphant and then he looks at the camera flicks a cigarette on to the next chapter. John Rambo will return in Rambo 2, First Blood the second part. It, this is not that. This is this is a lot more I mean it had it has a message to share. There's a lot of explosions to get through eventually. Cool. We love explosions. There's a, a little bit of uh, 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 rat abuse to yeah, get through, you okay. know? Okay. Uh, Being and, a real woke moralist right now. Yeah, real woke moralist. <laughs> next album. Very exciting. Uh, but like, uh, the, yeah, just like seeing a cop show, like, hey, you're a veteran. Like, I guess like nowadays, our support that like blue lives matter that like that is woven into support the troops in such a way that like if you have a gun and and uh, and are expected to have some sort of policing action in the state then like carte blanche like you at like socially like we the uh, as as americans need to need to support but like clearly the, like i've got friends who you know served in afghanistan and they do not have an easy time at the va like this is not a, a yeah. problem that is that has been resolved at all, you know. And people come back from Vietnam had it that much worse because not only you know was the care after the facts the basically non-existent, but there was the also the the social pushback of like people going like, hey, maybe that war that we sent them to was kind of bullshit, you know. Like people taking their anger out, uh, their anger towards Kissinger and putting it more towards the actual individual soldier when really they needed to be way more angry at henry kissinger who's dead and fuck that guy but here's the thing that's the whole point of the yeah movie. yeah and, and, and look, that's what that's what i love about yeah, it because that, like i've i've said i've been saying for a couple of years now like i am over any action movie that makes the cia look like heroes <laughs> yeah like full stop i don't care yeah. what movie you're talking about if it is a cia agent doing cool stuff Fuck that movie. That is not what the CIA does. They do only uncool stuff. And I like yeah. that this is an action movie that tells the truth about the government. Yeah. Yeah. Like his whole and, thing at the end is, uh, this is your war, not my war. You asked me. Yeah. I didn't ask you. Like, yeah, yeah. no, you're yeah. wrong. Huh? It's a great line. And not to go too far off topic here, but, you know, Rambo, first blood part two, it's the CIA is the bad guy and Congress. Yeah. Like they take mm-hmm. and they stop that movie dead in the middle for traveling to confront the CIA goon to be like, what the fuck are you doing here? Because they're that's why that movie is them trying not to give reparations to the Vietnamese. So they're trying to prove their no POWs in the country and they use Rambo as a sort of scapegoat. And, you know, that movie also way more subversive than people give it credit for. I mean, Rambo literally shoots a picture of Reagan with an M60. In that you have talked me into this movie. Yeah. And, um, and it is saying what, you know, what you're saying there, Adam. I mean, he, I mean, also, again, a little big last point about Rambo too, but, you know, the movie starts with him doing hard labor in a U.S. prison because yep. that's where a lot of vets ended up yeah. because of situations like this where they were just like, you know, like my old man walking yeah. down the road while Indian, you end up in jail like he starts in America. on the streets, as many of our yeah. veterans are, right? Just yeah. on the streets. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and he homeless. winds up in prison because that's you know that that's our state. We don't care for people. We just fucking incarcerate. And, 
and sadly, it's not changed. In fact, it's probably gotten worse than anything um, to the point where I always thought this film should be remade with, you know, an Afghani band or an Iraqi band. <laughs> but I was thinking Adam Driver and uh, Michael Ooh. Shannon as Enemy. Wow. Yes. Oh, yeah. Um, Adam Driver's but, like, he was a Marine, right? Yeah, he, yeah he's a Marine. Yeah, he was uh, uh, full on. Uh, but anyway, so yeah, I like I mentioned before, I, I have a very, very deep space in this movie. Uh, in my soul, part of it's nostalgia for just, you know, seeing what my home looked like when I was growing up in the 80s as a kid. Part of it is my old man who had a deep love of this film. But yeah, I think film and whiskey nation out there, you should definitely rewatch this movie because it has a very clear point that still needs to be made today about taking care of the people in this country who, whether you like the war or not, sacrifice their lives as young, basically fucking children, go through traumatic, horrible events and then come home and still get shit on. And that's just something that's to me unconscionable. Um, if you but like also, me went into this thinking that Rambo's just a caricature who blows shit up and then like it's the eighties, so clearly it's gonna be like, oh, I'm here to knock over Nicaragua because President Reagan told me to. Like that's what I thought Rambo was gonna be. Um, but it's a lot more nuanced and uh uh and uh yeah m- much more subversive than that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So Adam, where can people yes. find you? Oh, you know. <laughs> I do a bunch of podcasts. You can find me on Instagram at Adam Todd Brown. That is Todd with one D. It's not a typo. Uh, and I host a podcast called You Don't Even Like This Show. I host a podcast called Conspiracy The Show. You Don't Even Like Sports. You can find them all wherever podcasts are. Just just go look. Uh, especially You Don't Even Like Sports and You Don't Even Like This Band. More people need to listen to those. They're some of the best stuff we do. Absolutely. Great, great episodes up right now, too. And uh, thanks. Danger. Tell us about Countless Thousands. What you guys got going on? Yeah, uh, we are currently working on our new album called Woke Moralists. Um, Let's see. We're on Patreon, uh, patreon.com slash Countless Thousands, trying to, you know, make that so that we can actually produce the things we want without, you know, I I have two kids. And I don't know if anybody ever ever made this point on the podcast, but kids are expensive. Uh, so please come and support. Say. Yeah, if you're if you're new to Countless Thousands and want to check us up, go to YouTube and look up us. Our version of Solidarity Forever is like I don't know. I love it. I'm a big union. This is a union shirt I'm wearing. Love unions. You know, very pro union. Uh, Solidarity Forever is great. And then uh, Laser Wolf is another really really great place to start. That's L A Z A R Wolf. A the awesome side character from Fiddler on the Roof. There's a whole thing to it. And I mean, uh, if you listen to the You Don't Even Like This Show podcast, the song that plays at the end. Yes. is a gang fight. It's a song called Gang Fight. You recorded at Adam's request of like, hey, man, that song you played at the, at the show, like, that's dope, man. I need a theme song from the podcast. And here we are 10, 10 years later. 10 years later, we got gray hairs. We got a beautiful kitty cat. Look at it. Mimi it, keeps jumping on the desk. She sure does. That's, yeah. a, that's a beautiful cat. So, Adam, I'm hoping... You're going to react to the thumbprinting scene with the cat when we sign off. <laughs> and then send me photos. Yeah. Yeah. I want to shave it. God, that did remind me of my cat. <laughs> well, did right. you just relax, John Rambo? 
All right, everybody. So I'm Zachary Johnson. You can follow me at CTP Whiskey on Instagram or uprocks.com. We're writing about whiskey. Um, Film and Whiskey Nation, thank you for listening. Uh, we're going to be back next week with uh, a little dazed and confused with some Texas whiskey. And then, uh, yeah, we're going to keep on trucking across America. Goodbye, everybody. Bye. Ron, Cheers. Bye.